This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from, with new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned, because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Hi, welcome back to Shrink Chicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. And we're so excited because we've talked about this guest for forever. We have recommended her book a million times. Um, we have Caroline Dooner from The Fuck It Diet here today. Thank you for being here. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Okay. And your book is one of our favorites. Um, Caroline is a writer, a podcast host, the author of The Fuck It Diet, and working on your second book now. Oh, I am. God. How's, How's that going? That going? <laughs> you know, I, it's it's such a different beast from the fuck it diet because I, I knew exactly what the fuck it diet was going to be from the moment I started writing the book because I had been talking about I've been like basically honing the way I explained it for many years at that point the second book is a little bit more about my personal experience with all of these things with the diets with the self-hatred with like all of the stuff that you know affected my relationship with food and made me believe that I had to be obsessed with health and weight. Um, and, and also my dysfunctional relationship with self-help that like toxic positivity thing that I took on for a very long time. Um, and then rest, which was so, so, so essential to actually heal and like get out of this, that weird cycle that I was in with productivity and, and self-improvement and, um, so it's just a different beast. Like it could be so many things, you know, it like, it could take so many different forms. There could be a million different stories in it that I have to choose, like what actually makes the most sense. Um, so it's, it's, it's exciting. Like I, I like this kind of writing. This is actually what I want to be able to do more of, but it's, but the bucket diet is like, you know, humorous self-help, you know, and this is sort of like a more amorphous thing that I hope I hope people enjoy it. It's yeah, fun to write. Does, does this <laughs> require you to like dig into yourself more and your experiences? Like, is it more of like a, like a therapeutic? Yes. I have, I remembered so many things that I had, you know, I, it took me a very long time to understand this, but, and I think this is true for a lot of people in you know, when we're kids and especially in high school and college, but like I had no emotional resilience. I was not in therapy. I had no idea that what I was doing was essentially dissociating. Like I forget so much because I was in like survival mode, you know? 
for so much of it with the dieting and the, you know, disordered eating. And I had like crazy dental surgery. Like it was just like, it was nuts. Um, but to understand that now, and that's actually a perspective in the book of like, you know, we do this, we, you know, and it serves a purpose and we're, you know, we're just surviving and we're tensing up and, you know, pushing through, um, but it takes a toll, you know, and it, and it, it takes a toll on our health and our mental health. Um, but I am, I, in the process of writing it, I remembered so many things that I had honestly forgotten. And in the process of like having to be like, what was that like? And what, what was the timeline? And like, what, you know, like what happened, how can I, cause I had to figure out how to explain it in sort of a chronological order. Um, so yeah, it has been therapeutic and, and very, very interesting to write. Wow. Remembered a lot of things I had, had uh, forgotten. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting year of 2020 to be writing a book about. <laughs> oh that. yeah. Uh, and like me. isolated and doing it. Yeah, very like, what weird. What a year to do this. Very, very weird. And I had started writing the book, you know, la- like a year and a half ago and, and it wasn't what it is now, but I had an idea for it and I started putting it together and send, sending it to my agent. And then I had it all, like I had the proposal ready. The book wasn't fully written, but the first maybe like fourth of the book was written. And I sent it to, you know, my publisher of the Fuck It Diet to see if they wanted to do this book too. And the whole conversation around whether they were going to do this book or not, and like what, you know, what their vision was for it. And if we had an aligned vision was happening at the beginning of March, before (laughs) before the world shut down and I swear like the actual book like the actual like you know decision to do the book together happened the day that they announced that New York was shutting down so it was really 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 weird timing for them for me it was amazing because I was like okay wow I can't believe that I had this project to work on while I'm you know in isolation and you know, everyone is kind of like up in the air with what's going to happen with our jobs. At least I have this, I know I'm going to be doing this for the next, you know, year or two. Yeah. But and I love yeah. how we were all like, oh, this will only last like three months. Oh, that's what I was like. Oh, I can do two I weeks. just have a few, right? Like it won't be a problem. I have a project. I can work on my book. It's going to be back to normal by May, June, July. Right. And, then when, and then when it wasn't, and then when it was almost like worse than, um, I, that's when I was like, oh my God, like this, you know, I really, I definitely was not doing so well, especially this summer. Um, And then having to write a book about something that wasn't really, it's like, how much do you bring what's going on in my real life into this? Like, Mm -hmm. and actually I did, I like was like, well, you know, in this quarantine, everyone is feeling like they have to be super productive. And I had all these like things in it. And then as I went through, I was like, eh, in two years when people are reading this, like they're not going to want to hear about quarantine (laughs) every chapter. So I I cut out a lot of that, but it was such a weird, it's such a weird time to be doing anything, you know, obviously like it's just, Mm -hmm. there's a whole, everyone is just dealing with totally new and odd things. Um, But definitely bizarre to be writing and trying to have a perspective, like how much do you bring in what's happening right now into this book that's going to be read and bought in in a year and a half it's just Hmm. it's weird so weird it is I was like there's like all this stuff on Twitter about like please do not pitch pilots about wearing masks and coronavirus like we do not want to sit through this another time right right like are we all like are we all gonna watch like real housewives in like two years from now and they're all gonna be in masks like what is this going to look like I know I mean I am so do you guys watch Southern Charm yes I do (laughs) So I any Bravo show. I personally, am I think that Southern Charm, especially the first five seasons, was one of the best Bravo TV shows I've ever Absolutely. watched. Absolutely, I could not believe you, you could not write that. You could not write that baby mama drama. A hundred percent. But this season, I actually thought it was going to be really bad and boring, and I mm-hmm. I didn't really like last season very much. I thought it was boring. Mm -hmm. But so far, I've really liked it. And, you know, I think in like the next episode or two, you know, Charleston is going to shut down and there's going to be the whole, it's going to start. I'm actually kind of excited to see how they dealt with that. Like, I actually think it's kind of fun. 
You know what? I would love to do like an episode on us, like watching a reality show and just like <laughs> analyzing everyone yes. and what, like that is my dream. Yes. <laughs> we can do that. We literally can do anything we want. I just would <laughs> People love might not to listen, but that. we can do I, it. That's, <laughs> I really think that they would, because like the whole time I'm watching reality TV, I am just analyzing every single person. That's what's so fun about it. Like people who don't watch have to understand we don't watch because they're our idols. They're horrible people. Most of them we watch because right. it's, they're, they're like reacting and you're like, yes. what's going yes. on with you? Yes. Why do you react that way? Why are you so afraid to talk about this thing? Why? Yeah. It's so that's where the fun is. I think. Totally. Well, I, and you okay. can go ahead and say like, well, no, so let's do this. So let's, we're going to do an episode. We're going to do a recorded episode because we also have someone very important in common, which is Katie. Which yes. is <laughs> oh my god, can we bring one Katie of, on? One of our therapists is one of your best friends. Yes. Yeah. Right? Like New that is friend. our connection. It's rare to like make a best friend at 31. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but it happened. Um, but so that's what we'll do. We'll record all of us watching it. It'll be video. It'll I'm be horrible. So no one will watch what it, but we I think watch? we should do it. What, what I think like watch? The Bachelorette, I'm really into watching. Like, I think there's so much to analyze on that. Yeah, I would, I would like yeah, you would do that. I would like to do family dynamics of like, you know, Real Housewives of New York or New Jersey. But, you know, oh. I'm also down for anything. Yeah, no, I mean, there's so many options. We could even. <laughs> so whenever Katie and I hang out and we want to watch TV, we're like, okay, well, because she watches the Bachelor franchise and I watch Real Housewives. So we mm -hmm. actually don't have a lot of overlap when it comes to reality TV. And also those are like, those are, we, we always say we want a capsule episode. We want something that we can just sit down get into we don't have to have any prior knowledge of what's going on yes so honestly we often watch hoarders <laughs> <laughs> hoarders really right like, and she will, pause it. she will pause it and psychoanalyze everything going on and they'll be like sorry I just had to do that and then I'm like no I love it I love it that's what I want um wow pretty that's extreme go to. pretty extreme well, I, but well you know what but I was like in my deepest days this is such an interesting thing now that I'm thinking back talk about remembering memories in my deepest days of like high school angst self-harm eating disorder I fucking loved intervention I like, loved intervention oh too. my god so like I, I do what is it about watching other people hit rock bottom that we love it is sick but it, it is I get it feels it's it feels like normalizing yeah. for a lot of what you're going through, I think. And then you like pat yourself on the back and you're like, I'm not doing you're like, actually, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> like, do you see these people? <laughs> but the problem is like when they do get the problem is, is that like when they do start doing the work, like they'll look back like Real Housewives, for example, they'll like look back and be like, oh, you know, I made bad choices. I need to start like working on myself and then they get like healthier and then the show gets boring. Boring. I know. And then they, they need to cast someone new who's going to like stir shit up. Right. Who like hasn't done therapeutic work. That's yet. the problem. Like you, we are sort of, you know, benefiting, like we're getting entertainment from people's mental health and like, like narcissism problems. We're like, I you're know. horrible. I love <laughs> hating you. I know. But okay. But like all of us have like, for, I think for a lot of us, like there's still like that one person you follow from high school that you don't know why, but you can't look away. Oh, right. Like, yes. oh, I like know. we don't want to say it out loud, but it's true for many of us. I know. Yes. And then I go through the process of being like, should, when should I mute this person? Like <laughs> never. When should I take care? <laughs> like, no, we can't. All right. We can talk about this all day, but oh, my goodness, wait, yeah. either way is saying you're Philly. I we am. love Philly. Oh. And you're so you close love, to me. One of you lives oh, yeah, you you guys guys live in Philly, so, right? It was me, Jen. Jen, Jen lives in Philly. Um, I moved to the birth. Just actually, like Katie, I sold out. Yes, yeah. I know. I mean, I would love a, I would love a, a driveway in a garage. I think about that oh. all the time. I'm like, wow, that would really, that would take away a lot of my anxiety. <laughs> That's like a real parking, circumstance. Parking anxiety yes. is real. It's so well, real. And I have a hundred pound dog. You have Molly and my Aww. dog really needed, it was just too much to keep walking on past junk. And you know, then it got a kid and like that all stuff. But yeah. I just think Philly is the best, most underrated city in the world. I really love Biased. it. And I lived in New York for 10 years and I, I love New York so much. I mean, you can't, nothing compares to New York, but Philly is a really good alternative that is smaller. It's, it's, it's honestly, I moved because I didn't want to be stressed anymore. I didn't want to be overwhelmed. I didn't want, you know, to feel like I couldn't afford 
you know, some comforts. And I, I, I mean, my anxiety levels came down so much when I moved to Philly and it's not that I didn't love living in New York, but it's just easier and it's great. Like it's very vibrant. There's such good food. I love, like, it's fun to walk around. There's like beauty. It's, you know, beautiful old architecture. I, I, I love Philly. I really do. Absolutely. Yeah. I lived in New York for a year and could not function. (laughs) (laughs) Like especially as an introvert, because I know you said you're introverted. It is so overwhelming. There's just, so. I mean, I think it's probably now I haven't been there, but I assume it's a ghost town now. I know my best friend lives. She just had a baby and she, she and her husband live there and she's like, it's weird. It's different, but you know, anyone else feeling like the mental load of making dinner, the planning, the shopping, the prep, figuring out the timing. (laughs) It's a little heavy to carry, huh? Same. That's why I am so grateful for Hungry Root. The food quality, simple recipes, true tastiness, and delivery right to my door is truly a game changer. When getting started, you take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know you, what you like to eat, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to use. So you can sit back, relax, and offload the many steps of meal planning. Each order is fully customizable so you can take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high quality meat and seafood, healthy snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready meals, kids snacks and meals, vitamins, supplements, much more. My favorite item from my latest box was the honey citrus chopped salad, lemon pepper chicken and the four cheese tortellini. You gotta try it for yourself. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's gotta taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. Did you know that billions of plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles end up in landfills every year? I used to contribute to that waste, constantly buying single-use plastic cleaning products without giving it much thought. But then I discovered Blue Land, and it has been a game changer. Blue Land has helped me eliminate the need for single-use plastic and the products I reach for the most. They are reinventing cleaning essentials. Their approach is simple yet revolutionary. Refillable cleaning products with a sleek design that not only looks great on your counter, but also reduces plastic waste significantly. What I love most is the convenience. With Blueland, I never worry about running out of cleaning supplies or lugging bulky bottles from the store. From hand soap to toilet bowl cleaner to laundry tablets that each smell incredible, all Blueland products are made with clean ingredients you can feel good about. I was blown away when I received my first Blueland order. I immediately filled the bottles with water and their tablets, which was so easy to try everything out. And the ingredients are clean, the scents are refreshing, and the packaging is just so cute. Blueland is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine. If you're you're ready to make a positive change for the planet without sacrificing cleanliness or convenience, Blueland has you covered. Blueland has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash shrinkchicks. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash shrinkchicks for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash shrinkchicks to get 15% off. But yeah, could not handle it. I am so impressed that you live there. For it's funny years. because I actually really you know, I need a lot of time to recharge at home by myself, but I like being by myself in a crowd. Like I love walking, like going for a long walk around a lot of people. Like I'm not talking to them. I'm not even necessarily, I'm not engaging with them, but they're there. Like, I, I I don't know what that is, but I love that. I love like, like being around that. And same thing with working in cafes, which I obviously can't do anymore. And I'm super bummed about it but I love going and working around other people. And again, I'm not, you know, you know, I might say, you know, oh, like, you know, there might be like tiny little things that you say, like, oh, is someone sitting here, blah, 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 but you're not engaging with them, but they're there. And they're, I'm energized by that. But if I had to have a long conversation with someone, then I'd be like, oh my God, you know, that's what drains me. Totally. I I just found that in New York, even if you were like by yourself walking around, people were just so close to you all the time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's just like I feel like my personal bubble is like a little 
No, totally. I think I just got desensitized to that. Yes. Really, really early. Cause I went to college in New York and I just was like, I just got used to it. But I think if I went now and live there now, like even when I visit, I'm like, whoa, there, geez, I really forgot how much you have to weave if you want to walk fast. (laughs) There's a lot of weaving. (laughs) Absolutely. So in your, in your new book, and not to make the transition, but <laughs> for your talk, as we've you know read about, it it looks like you're you're talking a lot about the shoulds of life, mm-hmm. which we find which we talk about all the time on this podcast, and we talk to our clients about it all the time. Can you tell us a little bit about that and like what you've oh, yeah. come to realize with that? Yes, yes, for sure. Uh, yeah, it's a lot about cultural expectations that we take on, otherwise known as shoulds. Um, and I found for myself that until you do a lot of introspection or figure it out in therapy or do a lot of journaling and figure out what those shoulds actually are, like what are the, you know, I, I really do think that a lot of anxiety, and of course there are a million different, you know, reasons that we have anxiety. And I think a lot of us have anxiety for many different reasons, but there is this chunk of anxiety that I had, and I think a lot of us have that stem from subconscious shoulds that we don't even necessarily realize mm-hmm. we've taken on. And for instance, for me, I, um, I was always a singer as even from a very, very young child. And I was an actor. I went to NYU for musical theater. And I was really good, like really good. And I got a lot of praise for it. And it stressed me out so much. Like Mm -hmm. I had this weird combination of a love for it because I do, I mean, I really, I love it on a certain level a lot. Um, And I knew that I was good and I enjoyed a lot of aspects about it, but I also had debilitating audition anxiety. So it's like, it was this constant, but the, the should that I had was that I had to live up to the expectation. I had to be successful. I had to do it. I, I didn't have a choice. And anytime anybody gave me any praise, it was like confirmation that I had to do it. I couldn't be weak. I couldn't give in. I had to push through. And I did for a really long time. Um, and I was a wreck. (laughs) Yeah. every day of my life. Like I would wake up and feel dread and be like, Oh mm-hmm. my God, I have to go to Like, and I just would avoid it. It was like a lot, I mean, a lot of, um, avoiding the, 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 you know, the little voice inside of me that knew that it wasn't actually a sustainable and happy life model for me. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, like, I actually think that I had, to, in some ways I had to go through what I went through in order to learn, in order to know, and in order to say, you know, I really tried it and this is what I learned and this is what I experienced. And I wasn't really able to get past that dread. And I wasn't really able to get past that anxiety and auditions. And some people thrive on auditions and love it and like love that adrenaline Um, and I actually thrived when I had an acting job and was performing, like I wasn't afraid of that, but when you're an actor, your, your job is actually auditioning, you know, and there's no way to get around that. And I didn't want that to be true. Like I was trying to figure out if I could just sort of like tense my way to a place where things felt easier and it never did. So that was like, that was actually one of the big, um, personal. Now I don't necessarily think that's like a cultural should. I think that was more like a personal thing that I took on, but it is also, it it is tied in with the sort of cultural belief that we need to be impressive and that we, Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that's actually something that's a little bit more specific to our generation. Like I, I feel like we have this, like for better, for worse, like individualistic, um, blessing and curse. It's like, Mm -hmm. you're, you know, no one else can do what you do. You have a special something like you can do whatever you set your mind to. And I think that that can be really wonderful because why shouldn't we, you know, find out what we're meant to do and, and, you know, add our spark to the world, but it can also be this debilitating thing of like, oh no, I'm not doing that. I'm not impressive enough. I'm, I'm, um, I'm not living up a lot of pressure. Yeah, it is. And, and a lot, I think a lot of us take that on whether we realize it or not. And we feel this anxiety all the time and this sort of like self-judgment that we're not living up Mm -hmm. to this, like 
whatever we imagine that we would be by our late 20s, early 30s, you know, and that can, that can, you know, there's so many different, I think, versions of what we take on and what we think that that'll be. I mean, for me, when I was little, I was like, I'm going to be married when I'm 24. (laughs) Like I was, why did we all think that? What was that? It was so fucking weird. We're all going to have kids by 30. Why was that a thing? I know. And like, where do we get those numbers from? I, I yeah. think it's the generation before us. It was because my yeah. mom got married at like 25 and she's like, well, right. that was a little young, but it, it was very normalized. You know, I really, I personally grew up in a pretty like uh, tradition, quote unquote, traditional conservative ish household. And I didn't, it's so weird looking back. Like I, I, I think par- part of my brain thought that you know, I was going to be an actress and I was going to be like, you know, I was going to work and I was going to be impressive on my own. But I also at the exact same time was like, I'm going to be a beautiful skinny wife one day. Like, and that's Mm going to make me happy. And I never thought that, um, in those plain terms, like I never had that conscious thought, but it almost did more damage in my subconscious. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Um, and it was this like time, you know, this, this pressure cooker, that was pretty, unless I luckily just like fell into the exact life that I thought I was going to have, you know, of course, I'm sure you know that even when that happens, usually you get there, usually you get there and you're like, why do I feel so anxious and miserable? You know, like we think that when we get these, you know, markers of whatever we think success is that we will finally be calm and that's just not how it works. So, you know, there's a lot to learn no matter what happens, but, um, you know, I just, it's just so interesting that, and I feel, I feel personally very lucky, um, that I don't have, you know, I have a lot of friends who are like, I just want kids. I want kids so badly. Like I, I, you know, and I would prefer not to do it by myself. So there is this, there is more of a, a time crunch for finding a partner and, you know, there is a biological clock. I feel very lucky that I feel pretty neutral on that. So mm-hmm. that's a blessing in a way that I'm like, you know what, uh, if I can work through the beliefs that I have about what it means to be single in 32 turning 33, um, I'm actually okay. You know, there, there is yeah. a lot to work through because it, whether we think so or not, we still have a lot of internalized stuff over, um, being single, being women being single. I, 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 I think so. Um, and, but I do feel lucky that I don't actually have that very practical stressor on top of everything else, like a lot of my friends do, but, um, but there's a lot there and it's like, it's fat, it's been fascinating and, and, um, and stressful and scary, but very liberating once I'm able to say, okay, so what's really underneath this? Like, why, like, what are the beliefs and the the pressures that I have taken on that are stressing me out every day. And it's just causing this kind of like low grade anxiety in the background that, that I, that I haven't figured out why. And that was a big one. And the career thing was a big one. And obviously body and food and weight and and looks and all that stuff was huge. And that was like a big thing that I unpacked with the fuck it diet. But then even after that, I was like, there's more, you know, there's more with career and personal life and, and everything else. And it just keeps going. My God, there's, there's too much to learn about yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, it's not, it's, it's not easy and it takes time to really make those kind of unconscious subconscious beliefs more conscious. Do you have yeah. any sense of like how you were able to do that to rec? Cause we typically just feel like, okay, um, I believe this, so this must be true. And so it really, you know, and, and I'm sure your, you know, your books help so many people with this to start to see the cracks in that, to start mm-hmm. to be able to question that reality. How were you personally able to start to question that for yourself or make that's that more conscious? Good, that's such a good question. You know, I was a self-help junkie, which had, you know, it had some huge benefits. I honestly don't think I would have written the fuck a diet and had the perspective that I had on certain things if I hadn't. But I also abused that in its own way and had that be its own pressure of like, I'm going to fix everything and I'm going to be so happy, you know, like it, you know, you have to be careful with anything you take on. But 
um, I, I feel like I've read an, a lot of books about beliefs and negative beliefs that will affect the way you operate in the world. And so I think some of the ones that I read came from this kind of woo-woo perspective of like the law of attraction. If you believe bad things about yourself, like mm. blah, blah. And that is one of the things that I made pretty toxic because it made me afraid. You know, I, when I read The Secret in, when I was a freshman in college, I really twisted that into something very stressful. I was Mm. very stressed about every thought that I had. But when I actually finally read people who I think were actually making it make more sense and talking about, you know, if you have beliefs that are negative um, or that are beliefs that are untrue that we just don't question, it's going to affect everything that's going to affect the way you think about yourself, the way you interact with people, the way you operate in the world, the, what you believe that you can and will do and have. And that affects, you know, those have ripple effects, just even practically, if you don't want to get into any sort of woo woo, anything, which you don't need to, to see how our beliefs, our subconscious beliefs affect our behavior and our experience of the world. And that, you know, when I started, when I just even had that perspective, that was huge. Like that really did open up a lot. I wasn't able to like snap my fingers and, you know, erase all my negative beliefs, but at least I had kind of a context right? or maybe why some of the things were happening or why I was stuck the way I was. And I then, when I had the epiphany about food and weight and started doing research on that and working on that, I, it became very clear to me, I think because of the the context that I had about beliefs, that that was a big piece. I had these beliefs about food, about health, about weight, about worth, about happiness. And that was a huge piece of my misery and my dysfunction with food. And unless I address those, you know, very, it, you, again, you can't snap your fingers. It's a very slow process of mm-hmm. unraveling all of that. And then, you know, maybe processing even some of the emotions and trauma that are kind of like wrapped up in it that we haven't, been able or aware that we needed to process, but, um, that was, I mean, honestly, life-changing for me and so much so that, and it resonated with people too. And that honestly became the fuck a diet. (laughs) So when, you know, then whenever you go through some, or whenever I go through something like that, where I'm like, wow, this changed my life. It did change my life. It absolutely a million percent changed my life. It, it was like, I had, it was like, um, you know, anxiety or my anxiety at least is extremely layered, right? Like you have to pull back one piece at a time. And that was a huge, huge piece. And I felt so much relief. But then of course it was like, oh, life, life is still hard, isn't it? And there's always more and there's always more to learn. And there's always, you know, it's never static. You can never just be like, I did it. I'm happy now. (laughs) I'm Um, done. (laughs) I'm done. I can just float in a pool every day. Um, I would love to do that, but it would get boring. It would get boring after a while. Um, so that's, you know, that's when I was like, oh, I have these beliefs that I've taken on about everything. It's not just food. It's not just Mm. weight. That was a huge piece, a huge piece and a huge piece for so many people, but there's more and there's more that I've taken on. And there are more reasons that I'm, you know, you know, more ways that I'm operating and more things that I'm just arbitrarily stressed about because of things that I heard when I was young or things that I took on about whatever. Um, And so that is what started this whole, this whole So I have a question. Okay. So the writing process is like this, to my understanding is like this very, I'm not a writer. I talk clearly all the fucking time. Um, (laughs) But like, it feels right. Like very intimate. And you're putting this stuff down. You're putting all this work. Now you're someone who was very high achieving, like was expect, you know, went through a certain amount of responses and praise. So what was it like getting feedback from your editor? And what's it been like to get negative feedback from people? Because people are always assholes, right? So like, no matter how many people have loved your book, there's many people that hate anything. Especially if it gets bit, right? Like the more people who see it, the more criticism you have to deal with too. I was so, so anxious before the Fuck a Diet came out in a way that, um, 
I just, I just like knew that, it, you know, actually it was a, it's been this slow rise actually. Like I actually think it would have been way more scary if it had like boomed onto the New York times bestselling list and, mm-hmm. you know, millions of people have read it at once because it, I would have just inherently been feeding way more criticism, like way faster. And I think that would have been really hard. It didn't do that. It's been this slow organic growth of like people liking it and telling their friends to read it and therapists telling their clients to read it. So it's been actually a lot more manageable than I thought on that end. A really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair cut or went to the salon, which is of course the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty free and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I use this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that pros takes into consideration with their customization. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash shrinkchicks. I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on the accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. However... Um, so one of the big things that, and I talk about this for a second in the Faka diet, and I talk about it a little bit more in this second book that I'm writing, but one of the things that I read that actually, it was totally accidental, but it really ran parallel to what I was doing with the Faka diet. Um, and then also what it really helped heal my creative process and, and honestly led to, I don't think I would have written the book if I hadn't read this book and it was the artist's way and the artist's way it's geared towards creatives but I personally think anyone can read it and it's sort of about you know I think that so much in life is creative and it's about how perfectionism and thinking that we have to create this perfect thing um, and if it's not going to be perfect, we may as well just not even do it at all. It, it's, it addresses perfectionism so, so much and how much that gets in the way of anything creative and anything joyful, honestly, and about bringing back in joy and play and letting and sort of just letting creativity be healing on its own without having without needing it to be um, impressive or a product. And she also talks about how on earth are you supposed to become good? 
at whatever your craft is or whatever, or whatever, like I, you know, I say like even decorating your house or cooking, like those are also creative acts that, you know, people maybe are daunted. They're like, I don't even know where to start. And a lot of that is because we're like, we have to do it and we have to make it perfect, you know? Um, And that ran parallel to my relationship with food and body, because that's the exact same thing I was doing. I was like, everything had to be this perfect little thing. I had to do it perfectly. Um, And there was a messiness that was allowed um, and even encouraged after reading The Artist's Way. Mm -hmm. And I, it, it absolutely changed the way my brain works and the way that I approach things. And even then, back then when I, you know, I've kind of more officially quit acting at this point, but there was an overlap with the fuck it diet where I was writing and I was writing the blog and I was sort of growing it very, very slowly that I was still seeing if I wanted to be an actor. And I started writing all of these solo, like I started doing a lot more writing and creating my own stuff to do and little shows to perform as a sort of like, it was the first time that I was like, oh, I'm allowed to do it. And it doesn't have to be that good. Like it can just be fun. It can just be silly. It can just be whatever. Um, and then, you know, a couple of years after that is when I started writing the book, but the craziest thing is that my agent is the, my book agent is the literary agent for Julia Cameron, who wrote The Artist's Way, which is totally just synchronicity. Like I couldn't have planned that if I tried. And she is such a proponent of The Artist's Way. So she, she's honestly like a godsend. She understands the creative process and she's so supportive and amazing. I mean, I lucked out so much with her. I I really, really love her so much, but I, I sort of had this like very nurturing, um, support system when I when mm-hmm. I finally found her and she wanted to work with with me and you know represent the fuck a diet and the funny thing is she has always been very very tiny her whole life had it's never really been a dieter and I th- I was like there's no way she's going to understand this book like she's just not going to get it I, I don't understand how someone who hasn't been through this will understand that it's going to resonate with people who have. And she still loved it. She was like, no, I, I really, I, I get it. And I think that, you know, like I, that shocked me. I was like, really? <laughs> okay. Well, that's cool. That's amazing. Well, okay. So we have some listener questions. Oh yeah. Bring Are it on. Are you ready? Yes. I'm going to preface this all by saying, read the book. <laughs> yes. yes. I feel like a lot of times people ask questions and you haven't read the book. So I understand you want to get the information, but you're going to get even more I get that so if much. you read the book. <laughs> on my In my Q&As, I'm like, oh, how much do I, how many times am I allowed to say, please just read the book. I promise I answer it way longer than this little Instagram <laughs> story allows. post. Yes. And we're doing a giveaway on our Instagram for 10,000 followers and your book's part of our giveaway. Oh, so yay. <laughs> if you want to get the book, you can enter our giveaway and we'll send it to you. Hopefully, maybe. <laughs> if you win. win i don't know we can't say it's everyone i'm just saying okay um so our first question first of all let me say we got a a lot of replies that said no question i'm just so excited to listen i love her Aww, that's so nice. i think you also are so great on instagram because molly is a goddamn star oh isn't she i mean what i who's scared out. of boxes what what is the deal i know i know <laughs> i lucked out she's a little so, star you have the best for everyone listening she has the best dog is it a bernie doodle yeah she's a bernie yes. doodle she's a bernie oh. doodle she's scared of boxes like she's just hilarious she's so cute i love her she's so cute so follow also caroline on instagram all right first question how to fight feelings of guilt when eating cheat foods mm, don't have cheat foods but so okay so this this <sighs> if you have if you have now again yes the the underlying answer is i promise that the book will explain we'll put this all into context like it'll give a there's like a beginning a middle and an end that makes it all make sense but the the quick way of saying this is when we have good foods and bad foods when we demonize foods when there are good foods we're supposed to be eating and then cheap foods that are like special that we like only are allowed to eat sometimes we are inherently going to have a dysfunctional relationship with food. We are going to feel out of control around those cheat foods and maybe around even our normal foods because 
well, there are many, many reasons for it, but there's a physical reason. Like if we are not actually eating enough food or enough carbs, we will actually be chemically kind of fixated on food and we'll tend to binge more. But then even if we are eating enough food and enough carbs, if we have a lot of rules around food and a lot of forbidden foods and a lot of guilt around foods, because that inherently, you know, having those rules inherently will have us feel guilty when we don't follow the rules or when we, um, you know, eat too, quote unquote, too much of what we consider, quote unquote, bad. Mm-hmm. Um, we, so we, me personally, I was like, oh, I'm a food addict. I have to have these rules, not understanding that the rules and the even the past attempts at dieting were all sort of, it was this storm where I just was always obsessed with food. I was always hungry. And then I was always binging and then always dieting to try and make up for the binging. And it was just this vicious cycle that was never ending, never, never, never ending until I deliberately stepped out of the cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, But having cheat foods inherently is going to keep you in that cycle and you will feel guilty eating foods that you think are bad or that you're not supposed to eat or that are special. Um, I know that a lot of people think that it's really irresponsible to allow all foods because we often feel so out of control around those foods. We're like, well, I'm only going to eat those foods. And then I'm just gonna, you know, my health is going to totally deteriorate and I'm not going to (laughs) survive. But uh, the thing that I did not understand until I went through this process. And a lot of people don't understand is that that feeling of out of control is almost always stemming from the restriction and the rules and the guilt around food in the first place. So it's this kind of like, it's this counterintuitive answer. You know, we don't, it's very, very counterculture too. We all have these judgments around food. And I really think that kind of on mass, it makes us culturally obsessed with food and out of mm-hmm. control around food. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. a, that's a long answer, but also just a very short, like that's a, you know, that's leaving out a lot of stuff, but that's, um, that's the so read the book. way I can. Yeah. So read the book. <laughs> so read the book. <laughs> Somebody um, asked in newly engaged, how do I deal with people making comments about sweating for the wedding without freaking out? It's hella rude. Agreed. Oh, it's fucking rude. It really is. It's just, uh, so not only is that like toxic diet culture, but it's also toxic wedding culture. Yes. I, at this point, having been a bridesmaid many times, love my friends who have gotten married, but I, every single time I'm like, this is like weird, <laughs> like all of these expectations around yes. like what the day is going to be like, what we're going to like, there's it, you know, I get it. You know, we, we basically are raised to be like, this is the most important day of your life. And this is the day when everyone's looking at you and everyone's impressed with you. And it's so much to live up to. I think that it, I think it's just has the potential to be very, very misery making and very, you know, have it take a toll on our mental health. Um, God, like that's, that's such a hard, you know, I don't know how to answer the question, but it is hella rude. And it is, you know, it is one of those things that will, if you're trying to heal your relationship with food or your relationship with weight or trying to, you know, accept yourself at a, a higher weight while you're healing or, you know, not, not even while you're, while you're healing, because we're not all meant to be the same size. Um, comments like that can totally rock you and make you feel like, you know, maybe I should be, maybe, maybe this is the, the one time I should be dieting. Um, I would come up with like a quippy little kind, but, you know, uh, boundary setting response. If you feel comfortable, that's something like, you know, I'm, uh, I'm going to try to just look like myself on my wedding day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I Easy. love that. But although you have some good merch, that this person yeah can you buy. can say uh if you say that again i will literally scream in your face <laughs> <laughs> so you have amazing merch that says if you talk about your diet i will scream yes you can just wear the shirt you can just wear the you shirt around. there you go maybe there right is there a wedding specific one look i'm oh. gonna have to i'm gonna have to get in i'm gonna have to overhaul my merch on my list is like please redo your merch so you actually like have a lot of cool stuff for people because I like did it one day I was like I'm gonna make some things and I haven't updated it in a long time so I think I think maybe this will put a fire under me to do that I love it I love it now it is now you can say definitely not fucking sweating for the wedding (laughs) 
<laughs> not sweating for the wedding. <laughs> yes. Um, here's a good one, which you might give some resource for someone else. So somebody asked about tips on eating intuitively with PCOS when your doctor mm. says you need to lose weight. PCOS, this is a difficult one to talk about. It's difficult, but I actually have PCOS. Me too. Uh, yeah, it's a- Twins. It, it Twins. <laughs> twins. <laughs> it's, um, so it's really, really, really hard to navigate doctors, especially when you have yes. PCOS, because like many things, um, PCOS, uh, you know, our current medical uh, community establishment tends to think it's a very weight centric syndrome. Um, and it's just like many things, you know, weight gain is a, can be, can be a symptom of PCOS and insulin resistance. And for some reason we then go to, okay, so then it must be a cause mm -hmm. and it's not, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of people with PCOS actually have, um, pre-existing, uh, yo-yo dieting. So like, it's this weird thing where you tell someone to start dieting when they have PCOS, but oftentimes they're already dieting and they're already in an erratic relationship with food, which can exacerbate insulin resistance. And it's, it's such a shame because I really think that a lot of the ways, you know, they essentially try to treat PCOS among other things with diet culture, with, you know, lose some weight, um, you know, stay on this low carb diet exercise all the time. And meanwhile, you know, exercise is great for you, but not if it's done dysfunctionally and not if you're not eating enough food and mm -hmm. not if you're in this kind of really stressful relationship with it. Ironically, and unfortunately, all of those things, especially when you get into the yo-yo dieting and the weight cycling, those things are really bad and can exacerbate PCOS symptoms and also insulin resistance. So I really think that we have a very, uh, I, I think we do not have a helpful way of treating PCOS with diet culture. Um, there are some great people on Instagram that you can follow off the top of my head. Um, PCOS body liberation. Mm -hmm. They are dietitians who specialize in PCOS and coming at it from an anti-diet approach. Um, Satisfy Nutrition is also somebody who is anti-diet and focuses on PCOS. There's also somebody named uh, PCOS Therapist. She's a therapist with PCOS who is very anti-diet and very, very focused. So you can just follow her. Um, she also recommends the vodka diet to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, so really, you know, without, it, there's a lot that goes into it, but the, the craziest thing to me, and this is also something that I talk about a lot in my book, because a lot of my dieting was because I was diagnosed with PCOS at 14. And I was like, okay, I'll become super skinny and heal myself. Great. Done. I'm going to be perfect. No one's ever going to, like, I was so like, I'm going to handle this. And of course yeah. it just got worse and worse and worse. And my binging just got worse and worse and worse. And I was so upset with myself. I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, I care, I really care about my health and I cannot get it together. And it was because what I was doing was completely unsustainable and I didn't understand the, you know, the underlying dynamics at play, but like we focus on weight and food with insulin resistance, not understanding that there are so many different causes of insulin resistance and things that can exacerbate it and poor sleep and stress are huge ones. Mm. So with, and under eating can like, totally whack out your body and your metabolism and your insulin response. So like, we just have so such poor literacy around disordered eating and dieting and exhaustion and burnout and sleep and insulin resistance and health and PCOS. So it really just makes me sad and, and is frustrating to me every time I get so many questions from people being like, I want to anti-diet, but I was just diagnosed with PCOS. Honestly, like sustainable exercise, nourishing your body amply, maybe, you know, going on an insulin sensitizing drug or insulin sensitizing um, supplements, but also focusing on stress reduction and sleep and all of these other things that are, will be so supportive to health without putting you in this very stressful place in your body that I personally have seen exacerbate health problems, especially health problems like PCOS. So that's my answer to that question. But I, and the other thing we can also say is that like, 
you know, we have this idea that doctors know everything mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. they went to the school, because we think of a doctor, like doctors, like on this, like, you know, on a pedestal, you can find doctors that believe in health at every size. And if mm-hmm. your doctor isn't working for you and you feel shameful around them and you feel uncomfortable, go find a new doctor. Yeah. Like, it, it, is a, it is okay to question the people around you. And the same thing, if you have a therapist that's ever brought up weight loss, you need to find a new fucking therapist. Yeah, absolutely. Any, yes. <laughs> like that just shouldn't even be a thing. And to say like, you know, part of it is like learning to also advocate for yourself, which you shouldn't have to, but we do. I know. You're right? so like right. You, re- you do. Like you have to like go out and find like different people and you can look up Hayes health at every size practitioners and find doctors that agree with this idea of health at every size. And I wish there were more, and I think it'll yes. slowly, it you will, know, it will, it's going to be slow, but they, they are out there. And that is important to say, because I think without saying that people are like, well, you know, but if medicine says I should lose yeah. weight, right. it's like everything that any doctor or scientist or anyone learns in school is based on the knowledge of the time. It's based on the biases of the time, you know, like it, it always morphs and changes, you know, 70 years ago, they would have recommended smoking. And, you know, 90 years ago, they would have given you cocaine and been like, you're going to be so healthy. Just take this every day. (laughs) Like it changes, you know, (laughs) it is. And it's okay for like, and if your doctor isn't with it, one, you're allowed to educate them or you're allowed to find new doctor. Yeah. Those things can exist. Um, someone asked, what's your favorite Instagram accounts to follow that promotes body positivity and body acceptance? Oh, that's such a good question. (sighs) Um, you know, I wish I like, I'm sure I could like scroll through my Instagram and um, though my phone's downstairs and just give you the ones that I see that I'm like, Ooh, they're good. They're good. Um, but I don't think about it too much anymore because I don't follow it for me anymore. I follow it for like, oh, these are great. I can share this post. I can, mm. you know, I, it's almost like a, a, a communal education. I can recommend, you know, people to these. So um, I don't have an answer for that off the top of my head. Cause it's either I say one person or I say 500, you know, well, maybe we'll have to post this in our story yes. and see what that's, other people that's tell That's a good us. idea. Yeah. That's what we'll do. We'll ask everyone else their favorites. Yes. Perfect. Good. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> all right. Another good question. Any advice for a help for a hopeful author? Ooh, uh, uh, honestly, I know that this is like, it almost became a joke on my podcast that I would tell people to read the artist's way all the time, but I really genuinely, if you've not read the artist's way, I found it so, so, so helpful just for the mindset around creativity and writing. Really, really helpful. I don't know that I would have been able to do what I did without that mindset of, you know, messiness is okay. And just a little bit every day is totally fine. And you don't have to know where it's going. You just have to start and do it. Um, And then when you feel ready, you, this was a process that I tried and then failed. And then I had this weird synchronistic situation happen. So I might not be the best person to ask about this, but you submit your work to literary agents and you look up, and this is not fun or easy. And I remember being like, oh, this is the worst. But you look up literary agents who work with the kind of genre of your writing and you submit and you say, you know, this is a sample, this is a proposal. Um, and you know, I actually got feedback that way. I got somebody who was interested and then I just, <laughs> I had to very quickly uh, write up a proposal and I did a horrible job and I'm very, very, very bad at um, self-advocating or I was really even worse at self-advocating. So that ironically, that's what an agent is for. But then I had to be an agent for myself to try and get an agent. And they were like, this is a pretty weak, like they basically were like, you don't, you don't seem to believe in yourself the way we need you to, to represent you. And that was a learning curve too. And I was like, you're right. This is a shitty proposal, (laughs) but, but if I had, you know, like maybe the next, I, then I was like, you know what, I'm just going to wait and like focus on this other thing for now. And I'll try again in a year. And then I actually luck. I just had this crazy situation where somebody who worked with Julia Cameron, the author of the artist's way, and who struggled with her relationship with food and who also worked with and knew Julia Cameron's literary agent was like, I love 
the fuck a diet and I love your writing and wow. I want to connect you with her agent. So that was a very odd situation that I don't think anyone should count on. Um, but so that's how I had my weird situation, but I did do the submitting thing. Um, and, and then you find someone who's excited about your work and will, and will, um, but you can also self-publish. That's a, that's a road I never officially went down. You know, I had little eBooks in the beginning just to kind of like give a little overview. They were short and they were, um, but you know, there is a self-publishing avenue, but, um, but if you want to do the traditional publishing, it's all about submitting to agents. But I think the mindset of, of creativity and of, you know, getting rid of that perfectionism around starting, if you're, if you're actually in the phase where you're like, I want to write a book, but I don't know where to start. That's where I really do recommend the artist way. It was, it was, it changed my, it absolutely changed my life. Like not only with my job stuff, but just like perspective in general. I love that. I mean, and I'm I think, like literally ordering it on it on Amazon. Yes, like a hundred percent. And I also <laughs> I, I think it. I think it just applies to so many things. And we have this idea that we have to be perfect in so many different ways. We're like inundated with messages about being perfect, whether it's on Instagram or Pinterest or yeah. um and so I just think it it sounds sounds like it was so incredibly helpful for you and can be so incredibly helpful for so many people. Yeah, so Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you for coming on today. You were Amazing. so, so fun. much. And now we'll have to schedule our watching of reality. I know. I, I cannot Let's do wait. It. I'm that, so excited. Well, when, when you're allowed to, allowed to be near humans again, that's yes. what we'll do. Okay. Oh, perfect. God, I can't wait. I'm going <laughs> to start at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> Caroline, how can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at the fuck it diet. You can also go to thefuckitdiet.com and you can read the beginning of the book if you want to see if you like the writing style. Um, but yeah, I'm mostly just on Instagram every day, way too much. So that's really <laughs> amazing. Thank, thank you, for you. Being thank today. you so much. It was so fun. Check out the fucking diet. Enter our giveaway for a chance at a copy. Um, we're so thrilled to have you. We love your work. Thanks for everything you've done. Thank you. And if if you think that this episode would be helpful for someone you know, send it on over to them. Thank you so much for joining. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.